Alpha, you know what I need. Teenagers with attitude. That's correct, Alpha. Teenagers with It's Christmas time. I'm Zach, and I hate nieces to pieces. How about how about you, Luke? What the fuck did you just say to me? I hate I hate nieces to pieces. That's nothing. It's from it's from a Hanna Barbera cartoon, which I guess is nothing. Yeah, it's basically zero. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Okay, good. I wanted to do a kind of a different introduction because it's a special episode, but this isn't working. So I'm gonna go to Lexi. Hi, Lexi. I thought meese was the plural of moose. The, plur- the funny thing about it is that it's the plural of mice, or, or it's, sorry, oh, I fucked up. <laughs> I fucked up the kayfabe. It's the plural of mouse and the plural of moose. Not the so. plural of either. No, it is. It's both. Shut up. <laughs> the plural of moose is moose. I know. It's That doesn't I- make any sense, Luke. How could you possibly what? know how many, how, whether you're talking about a single moose or multiple? Yeah, well, English is a bitch like that. <laughs> <laughs> Glitch is just kind of bad, it turns out. So, uh, yeah. Hey, everybody. It's Christmas. We're doing our uh, second movie, I guess. I totally missed the Pokemon one. And then, peek behind the curtain, we're recording, like, way later than we normally do because my cat got sick. And I think you will agree with me that kitties are more important <laughs> than podcasts. So, okay. I'm glad I would that say my- it depends on the kitty and depends on the podcast. What podcast would be more important than what cat? Damn, got him. <laughs> Lexi could not give me an Amazing. answer. Amazing. Podcaster <laughs> destroyed by facts and logic. <laughs> so, uh, the problem hey, is I don't know be- enough podcasts to answer this. Oh, wow. that's fair. What fair enough. We- well, Boy, that's weird. I, I- I just can't think of a podcast that's more important than, like, the life of an animal, basically, so... Like, There's gotta be some shitty-ass cats out there who, like... There's some shitty cats Yeah, some cats, cats are jerks, but I don't want them to die, which uh, actually... What, what, if, what if, what if it's, what if the cat is a racist? Well, okay, if it's a racist cat, then fine. It's funny that this conversation is relevant to what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but it is. Lexi, I'm just going to ask real fast. How many podcasts do you listen to regularly? 
uh, these days, like two, and one of them just ended. So God, what what a weird life. I just. I, I think we've all kind of mentioned this before. The, I love our podcast network. It's great. I love all the people that I've met on it, and you're all kind of my family, and it's the best. I don't really listen to every podcast on this network. Oh, There's I don't many. either. It's but, impossible. But I do listen to 40 podcasts. See, See I'm at like six-ish. The problem for me is I really can't listen to people talk and also concentrate on other things. Yeah. So, like, I started listening to podcasts a bunch when I got a job that was in another town from where I worked and I had, like, a 40-minute commute each way. So I needed, you know, something to fill that time. Like, podcasts are great for driving because you aren't really doing anything else. Um, I tried to keep that up once I moved here and... You know, just has something to have on at work, and I just couldn't concentrate on my work while trying to listen to people talking. Either I would realize I wasn't really getting work done, or I'd realize I'd just, like, zoned out of 10 minutes worth of conversation, so... Yeah, it's weird. I I feel like this is pretty uh, specific to each person, because for me, I can't listen to music and concentrate, but I can listen to podcasts, which doesn't make any sense to me, but that's how it works. It depends on what I'm doing. Like, if I'm writing, I can't listen to fucking anything. Maybe some, like, wordless music quietly. Oh, uh, I, will, I will straight up pause YouTube videos in order to make a tweet. That's how bad it is for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah. like, I will put a podcast on while I'm playing a game if there's not a lot of, like, reading or dialogue in the game. Like, I'll just sure. throw on, like, a podcast and just play Smash Brothers so the podcast is over. That's my I life. Actually, I think that's a Lexi, I don't know that I've ever isolated that, but for me, like at work, uh, if I'm like doing spreadsheet comparisons and like data crunching, I can do whatever also. But if I'm trying to write an email, I have to turn off everything. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. If like at my last job I had a like monthly thing where I basically had to go through this big list of um well, just this big list of things and select specific ones to put in these groups. And it was like an all-day process. The program I was using was so slow to respond that I would it would take me basically 20-ish seconds just to, like, scroll to the next oh, list of things. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, no, the delays are ridiculous. And, like, I would go nuts if I didn't have podcasts or something like that. But, like... I can... I guess this is work complaint time, but... Uh, recently I had to, uh, Luke, I know you're bored. Just hang in there, buddy. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. We had to, I had, I had to change. I basically had to feed in new data to a, a backend database. And when I, you do that to this database, it goes, okay, is this, is this entry the one that matches this? And you have to look at the two and say yes this is oh, the no. one that matches it yeah and i updated like a 1200 entry uh database or, or, or spreadsheet basically so i had to just click yes 1200 times i have straight up had like minor panic attacks doing work like that and the thing about that is that uh our internet is shit so every time i click i then have to wait like 30 seconds yep yep so yeah it took me like a week? Why don't you like just minimum. get like one of those drinky birds and they can do <laughs> yeah. your job for you? 
I know. Well, you'd have to get the Drinky Bird, like, I guess, lab access. But yeah, other than that, sure, it would what? work. It's an object, uh, Zach. You can just bring it in. No, it's a, it's a people. Anyway, in case you were uh, curious, this is Teenagers with Attitude. I didn't say that. And today we're going to be talking about Mouse Hunt, which uh, is a film by DreamWorks. Uh, I had the... I had the year, and then I lost it. 1997, end of 1997. I can tell you that with Thank authority, you. because for my wait, now I'm now I'm now I'm not sure if it was 10th or 11th. So maybe maybe I have the wrong date, but I'm pretty sure it's 97. Oh, no. For my 10th birthday, um, this movie happened to be in the cheap theater because I uh, my birthday is like a month after Christmas, and uh, my my parents booked us a showing of that, me and my friends, for my birthday. And it was... The movie had been running for long enough and had gotten the mixed reviews that it got. So, turns out, nobody else had booked the theater for that showing. It was literally Man, just us in there. So, my recollections... That's such a good experience. Yeah, my recollections yeah. of this movie are bits and pieces of, like, really memorable scenes interspersed with just, yeah. like fucking running feral in the among the seats like playing fucking tag <laughs> in a dark theater and yeah. like yeah just Luke, screaming isn't, her ass isn't, off isn't this partially why you like speed racer so much you had like a just you guys showing well yeah my, my friend worked at the movie theater and he uh got us in when he wasn't supposed to and set up a private screening for us nice nice yeah I, I, the couple times i've gone to a theater and it's been just me have been I saw Let It Go, or not Let It Go. That's not the name of the movie. It's called Frozen. <laughs> it might as well be. I mean, it's, yes, true. I saw Frozen at like a 10 o'clock showing because Adrian, my wife, was out of town for like a month and I just ran out of shit to do, basically. Great. And I, I went to go see the movie pretty late and there was nobody else there. And it was really fun. Like, I, I like going when that happens. It's cool. Uh, so yeah, this movie came out in 1997. It is the third DreamWorks movie after uh, The Peacemaker, which I've literally never heard of, no. and Amistad, which I have heard of, but you yeah. know, you can skip it. Uh, so it's also the first uh, family film that DreamWorks put out. I'm going to put that in really heavy air quotes as we talk about this. Uh, and you know, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's a family film in that. It's marketed to kids, but kids definitely shouldn't watch it by themselves. It's rated yeah. PG. Yeah, but it's... We'll talk about it. The tone of this movie is weird. It it's is. really hard to get a beat on. Uh, I'm the only one that watched this movie from start to finish for this. Uh, uh -huh. I saw it as a kid. I don't remember it. Uh, or I didn't remember it. Uh, this movie's batshit. Yeah. yeah, it's real weird. <laughs> this movie's fucking um, nuts. So, I, you know, the other movies we've done have been such weird one-offs that it's like, we haven't really given that much context, and I'm not going to go crazy on this, but this is the first film directed by Gore Verbinski. If you've heard that name, it's probably because he made the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Pirates, man. Uh, he, he invented the cure for wellness. Yes, he did do that. He also directed The Ring, and he directed Rango. Uh, which, like, the only real through line of all these movies is that they're weird. <laughs> uh-huh. 
I mean, obviously the Pirates movies were super popular, um, but it's easy to forget that they have like a squid man who keeps his heart in a box. It's They're easy to weird forget that it's movies. like, even the first movie, it's like, oh, there's one skeleton on that ride. That means we're making a whole movie about a zombie curse. Yeah, it, so his but shit is... There have good. been entire, like, film YouTube essays done on the unlikely success of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, but, yeah, if there's one thing I can say positively for Gore Verbinski, it's that even if I don't necessarily think his movies are good, they inject some wild-ass concepts that it feels like is harder and harder to find in, like big budget cinema these days yeah yeah this I movie mean, goes for it i'll give it that th- much that's the thing is like so this is a slapstick comedy is it and <laughs> it, it is oh, yeah, absolutely I, I mean it is it, it is deriving most of its humor from slapstick sure and, and like uh I've seen a lot of those. The the one that I, that like I kept comparing this to is Home Alone, just because it's like it's a house. There's well, yeah, yeah, a bunch of people getting hurt. It, it feels like it's drawing from Home Alone. Yeah, um, but like Home Alone is I don't like a sane movie. I feel like even Home the horrible Alone things is wild and dark if you like the internet has think way too hard about it beyond what the movie expects you to engage it w- with it on right this movie <laughs> in order to process what is happening you have to think about things that you really don't want to have to consider this movie is oh god I, like this movie forces you to think about it as you watch yeah. it in a way that well, it's so strange. To give you, I mean, let's, I guess let's get into it. This yeah. film. Because <laughs> it this... opens with a title card with a quote from uh, one of the characters of the film. <laughs> All, yes. Yeah, also, this is a children's film, presumably. Yeah. Um, and uh, it starts with the quote, a world without string is chaos. Yeah. Uh, Rudolf Schmunz. Which I just is... figured was some guy, but no, he's a character in the movie. No. It, yes, Correct. Uh, and we uh, open- it opens the same way as Death Stranding, which opens with a <laughs> quote of like, oh, mankind's first two inventions are the stick and the rope, the stick to beat off enemies and the rope to hold tight what we care about. Luke, <laughs> Luke. It's the same thing. As the Death only person, just As the only person here qualified to answer this question, on a narrative and cinematic level, which holds up better, Mouse Hunt or oh, Death Stranding? Mouse Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then we open on Rudolf Schmunz's funeral because, you know, that's how you start a kid's movie is you have a funeral at the beginning. <laughs> Just a rain-soaked cathedral as pallbearers are emerging from the front gates with a ca- casket. This so, is this is such a, like, visually dark scene, which is, like... I've seen a lot of kids' movies, and you typically inject a lot of color and flash, especially at the start, to grab the kids' attention. This scene so looks like watch. it should be in a Batman movie. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah, it, totally. There should be young Master Wayne under one of those umbrellas watching. <laughs> Man, imagine if this is what happened at the Wayne funeral, and this is what spurred <laughs> Bruce Wayne to become, you know, a vigilante crime fighter. Like, what? What would he have become? Yeah, yeah. It's Mouse it's Man. So- our, our oh, two naturally, main, yeah. 
Our two main characters are uh, Ernie, played by Nathan Lane. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, if you don't know Nathan Lane, he's from The Producers, he, Lion he's King. Timon he's Timon from The Lion King. He's Timon. Uh, he's in The Birdcage, which I love, but I'm way too scared to go watch again, because... I don't feel like it would hold up very well. Yeah. Um, and the other guy is Lars, uh, who is played by Lee Evans, who I'd never heard of or seen in anything else. Yeah. Uh, and I looked up briefly, and uh, he is, I guess, a just huge, enormous stand-up comedian in England. Oh, okay. Um, but he hasn't been in that many movies. Uh, so it's so, kind of a... And, go ahead. Uh, so... Uh, Nathan Lane is a, a larger fellow, and in this movie, he has a big mustache. Uh, the yes. other guy has kind of a kind of a goofy, like broad expressions sort of face, and is yeah. you know clean shaven and kind of plucky and friendly. Is what I'm what I'm getting at here is this is a se- stealth sequel to the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're not as wrong as I wish you were. I mean, I kind of agree. No, that, this is Super Mario Brothers 2. They fight that fucking bomb mouse. <laughs> oh, shit, you're right. When I Google, when you Google um, Mouse Hunt, uh, I don't know who does this, but like, you know, someone's job is to write a little blurb for each different streaming service. Sure. The uh, This is on Pro- Amazon Prime. And the blurb for Amazon Prime about this movie, like, specifically says a Laurel and Hardy-like couple. Sure, like, yeah. So that's, that's what they're going for. I mean, that basically is. It's, yeah. You got the skinny guy and the big guy. Right. Nathan Lane's not, like, no. you know, huge or anything. But, yeah, he's big, a bigger dude. And uh, Nathan Lane's playing your your get rich quick quick scheme guy. And he's not even, Evans, at the beginning, he's not even no. that much of that guy. Yeah, no. no, at the beginning he's he's successful. He's kind of an asshole. He's definitely very egotistical and um I guess obsessed with money and status. But he's, he's yes. a little eh, yes and no. We'll get through it, but like And and Lee Evans is playing your straight man and he's a skinny guy and he loves his dad who was the owner of a string factory was and, yeah. was Zach. And Nathan Lane was was was. And Nathan Lane is is less uh Less uh, reverent, I guess, of his father. Right, um, yeah. And, 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 and yeah, Ernie is and, just, like razzing his brother about like, oh, you didn't get a black suit. You got an ash gray suit. Yeah, and yeah. here's here's the thing about this. I I compared it to Home Alone and we will. I'm going to keep doing that because it's just it's the thing that I think of most when I watch this. Right. But but like it took me till 20 or 30 minutes into of to this movie to realize that this movie is like if you watched Home Alone, but Macaulay Culkin didn't speak, so you're only following the robbers. I mean, kind of, yeah. They're not the good guys. Like, your two main characters <laughs> suck. They're not good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's I, I don't know if anyone's good in this story. Well, you know, th- what I mean is, like, basically the protagonist of this film is the mouse. Which is fucking weird because he can't talk. Well, no, the protagonist um, well, of the films, the I mean, it's the guys. 
They're the well, they're the protagonists. Yes, yeah, sorry. Zach, the go the good class. guy. Yes, protagonist does yeah, not the, mean good guy. Yeah. You're right, so the bad. the yeah the the setup of this is on a really 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 broad level, sort of a Looney Tunes thing of the mouse right. is the Bugs Bunny role, where he's he's minding his own business, and somebody else comes in and starts uh, causing problems for him, and everything the mouse does is at least couched in a sense of moral righteousness in that he didn't fire the first shot. Yes. Uh, yes. yes, he did, just not at them. That yes, mouse committed that, a murder. Okay, yeah, that, true. That, that's something we're going to have to talk about when we get to it. But, <laughs> like, okay, so... I, I am not convinced there's a mouse in this movie. No, I think it might be a ghost. Uh, we'll yeah. talk about it when we get there. So, we, we open on these two idiot brothers being two of the... Uh, Oh, also, they're both really stupid. That should be made clear at the beginning. Sure. <laughs> Very important. Uh, so they're both uh, some of the pallbearers. Uh, uh, Ernie, or I'm going to just, okay, Nathan Lane He's is yelling Ernie. at just Lee call Evans. Him Ernie. Ernie. Okay, fine. Ernie is yelling at, um, at Lars, Lars about how his suit is not black enough, I right. guess. Yeah. It's gray. And then uh, the handle of... Uh, Lars's Lars's handle breaks off, and the fucking casket goes down the steps. R- la- uh, ram- rams into a, t- a fucking car, the hearse, and then the corpse flies out of the fucking car and down a sewer. And that's how you start this movie, which we is follow the wild. Corpse down the sewer, and the credits yep. start playing through the open manhole as rain is coming down on the camera. Right, and then the opening open manhole transitions into being the hole in the middle of a spool of string. Have y'all seen the Hudsucker proxy? Yes. No. Uh, Proxy is an early Coen Brothers movie. It's got, um, the dude from Evil Dead in it, whose name is escaping me, uh, Bruce Campbell. It's a, a pretty fun movie, but also it's basically about the hula hoop, which for some reason no one understands what it's for. And every time they show well, because it, because when he says it, he draws a circle on a piece of paper, and he says, "This is my big idea. I'm going to make millions off of it." And everyone's like, "All right, right. you fucko." And 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 every time someone questions him throughout the movie, he says, "You know, for kids." Right. And that refrain happened in my head over and over while watching this movie <laughs> because because every time something horrible happens, I'm like, you know. For kids. They'll love it, I guess. I don't know. We go to the Schmunt's string factory, and right. this the, is the, the first- The opening credits are just, like, string being processed in a factory. It's, and this is the- Yeah, and, this, and a bunch of string cr- crisscrosses and pulls the letters that form the title of the movie together. It's kind of Spider-Man-esque in a way. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. There are two things to mention uh, that, that happen here. Uh, the first is- what the fuck is the time period of this movie? Oh, yeah, I fucking... <laughs> one thing I unabashedly love about this movie is it is intentionally, like, ranging from, like, the 30s through, like, modern day. Yeah, it's yeah. either 1935 or 1992. And like, the thing you cannot is, fucking No, the tell. thing is, it's both, because we see somewhat yeah. contemporary for the era televisions and cars... But literally everything else in the movie is fucking Depression era. It's amazing. The, sh- 
The factory specifically is like almost steampunk. And, like yeah. it's well, and to be to be clear, that is intentional within the story because the whole idea of, is the factory itself is extremely old fashioned and outdated to the point right. of near irrelevancy. Yes, that is true. Uh, they do talk about that multiple times. Um, but the, this sequence is kind of fun in the N- same way that you like, watch the rest of the movie. I will say there is a Hudsucker proxy esque twist to the end. Oh, that rules. Uh, but yeah, like, it's basically, they're just showing your normal everyday, uh, production at the factory, except that it gets fucked up because a yarn ball, like, lodges and stops the, the little spools from going through. Just one little thing goes wrong and it leads to everything falling apart. That's right. Which, uh, which is is a a movie about the delicacy of society. It's a yeah, metaphor no, I mean, for this the movie film. This movie very much is at its core just chaos theory. <laughs> right. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, because life I, without string is chaos. What what's crazy is I think that's on like we're not no, just fucking with that's you. That's thing. what it's about. It's, it's just it's, it's also about two Ernie people who can't kill a mouse. The string, so yeah. his whole life is chaos. That's what the yeah. movie is. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's weird. It's very very strange. Uh <laughs> But the other thing I wanted to note while we're in the credits is Alan Silvestri did the score for this movie mm-hmm. um, because the music is way better than anything else that's happening in this film. And I couldn't get over that the whole time I was watching it. They um, kind of overuse it a little bit. They, the, it the is very theme. big. That's true. But if you don't know who this, this Alan Silvestri is, he's the guy who did the Back to the Future music. He did the Roger Rabbit music. He did Castaway. He did Forrest Gump. And he did the two good things in the Marvel uh, music, which is the uh, the Captain America theme and the Avengers theme. Nice. So, like, he's good. And he's in this movie, and he's doing a real tinkly, like, you know, uh, 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 ephemeral, like, whimsy. Just lots of whimsy coming right, at you. Right, right. Uh, which, which is a nice counterpoint to just how dismal the actual, like, everything else is. That's the... F- and and it kind of shows what's so weird about this movie, which is like it's a, supposed to be a fun movie for kids, and then if you think about it for eight seconds, you're like, this is horrifying. Well, the, the thing <laughs> right. is, it's not even it's not even you don't even have to think about it, just looking at it. Like I mentioned, in the opening theme being or the opening scene being devoid of color, but really the entire movie is like that. It's right and. And I said earlier, like, uh, you know, I mentioned the the Amazon blurb. The Wikipedia entry for this describes it as a black comedy, which is not a thing you make for kids, but that's what it is, basically. Yeah, like, uh-huh. it's a really dark comedy. Um, so we we now go to a, an old man reading the will of their we, father. We cut to a close-up of a portrait of, yes, of their, their dead dad. father. I mentioned this because that portrait comes up. Okay, good. Uh, um, Lars, basically they've been left the factory. Lars is really adamant that they need to run the factory together. Ernie wants to sell it. Uh, He says it's basically a fucking museum piece. Um, Uh, In the will, their father specifically says it's his hope that they'll run it together and that it will like mend their relationship, which has clearly fragmented over time. Right. Yeah, they're not on the best terms. Yes, that's true. Yeah, they're not on the best terms. Ernie is kind of callous here, but, like, I don't want to just run a factory. I don't want to quit my job to run a factory either. No, like, I'm no this factory is not, clearly not pulling in money. Like, this, I don't no. think this factory Ernie- could sustain two presidents. 
Like if I also if I inherited a failing string factory, I would also attempt to sell it. Their dynamic is basically that Ernie is right but an asshole, and uh, Lars is sweet but an idiot. Basically, yeah. like that's the the dynamic. So he he also the lawyer also says you get this my personal effects including a ceramic egg which I don't understand at all. <laughs> I like that uh, it's a hollow egg too. It's yeah, yeah, it's it exists explicitly for a one minute long sight gag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and half a box of Cuban cigars and some spoons. Yeah, um, I love that he says my spoon collection, and he doesn't pull out like a display case full of like rare spoons or something. It's just a no. bunch of it's just a bunch of loose spoons in the box. Yeah, yeah. And I so Nathan Lane is trying so hard in this movie. Yeah. Like he's doing his best. And he does, he's just like, thank God, we're us, we're saved. Spoons! And it's pretty good. I like yeah. that part. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I don't think this is an awful movie. No, it's more that it's baffling. That's it, like, yes, it's very baffling. Yeah. Uh, I think that's but, part of why yeah. I like it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so... Nathan, uh, Nathan Lane, sorry, uh, Ernie, like, like, uh, facetiously begs to have the egg, uh, and then he hands it to Lars, who shoves his finger in it by accident, because it's also, like, a shitty egg. Yeah, well, um, just, yeah. yeah, he just fucking drives his thumb through that fucking ceramic like a fucking fable. Yeah. yeah they ask if there's anything else, uh, in the will. There is a house, uh... He got it basically from a debt, like someone owed him, and they they gave him the house instead. Uh, and it it's worth fifty grand, basically. So yeah, so uh, yeah, uh, Ernie asks how much if it's worth anything, and the executor of the will is like, well, he was able he was able to borrow fifty thousand dollars against it to pay his workers, and it's like, great. So what's it worth now? Fifty thousand. It's a decent yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and uh, it is worth noting that the previous owner was found dead, locked in a trunk in the attic, which <laughs> we're going to talk about that as we go a little further into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'll really come up in the second part, but yeah. Okay, okay it does. So, yes, so, yes, yes, it does. There are a few things I do remember about the second part. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, as someone who's only watched the first half of, the, of this film, either that man killed himself or the mouse, who I guess is an eternal mouse and lives forever, murdered him. Yeah. Like, that's the two options. <laughs> I, will, I, I will describe my take on the mouse when it becomes relevant, but yes. <sighs> okay, so. I'm uh, so looking forward to that. <laughs> So basically, that's it. Uh, and Ernie essentially at this point is like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care about any of this. This is all garbage. Lars, you can have it. I'm a successful businessman. Uh, this is shit. I don't care. Uh, and he leaves to go to his uh, fancy uh, French restaurant where the mayor of the town will be dining that evening. Yeah, I kind of um, like that he's not just uh, down on his luck like Conman. Like, he's got a successful career. He knows, like, he, he has a skill. Uh, yeah, and, like, the the fact that he's a chef, like, actually comes up a couple times. It's, like, minor, but yeah. it's there he's always. Not even, and, yeah. like, he's not even, like hilariously incompetent like he's successful no, if it weren't yeah. for if it weren't for a extreme mishap here he'd be fine right 
So, which is kind what, of the the crux of the movie, really. Right. Yeah. So, Lexi, you picked this film, and I was excited because we haven't done a lot of episodes together lately. Like, I was like, "Yeah, this is gonna be a good time." And then I got to this part. Oh, and I this scene <laughs> is upsetting. I kind of wanted to stop watching it. To I be don't blame you. <laughs> Just why? This is a movie called Mouse Hunt. It's about hunting a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so to speak to that, I, t- I was t- I took notes on this, which like I don't really do for Power Rangers so much anymore because uh-huh. it's so formulaic. I don't need to, but I would like to point out that the mouse does not appear till the twenty sixth minute of this film. <laughs> so, like, it's there's a lot of setup. Like, there's, there's so much setup. They lay so much groundwork before they get to the damn mouse. So we'll go through this pretty quickly because I just. Don't want to dwell on it because it's gross, but uh, there's a bunch of fat jokes because the mayor's a big fat guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's not great. No, there's there's uh, there's some paparazzi there, and they're like, "How'd your triple pi- bypass go?" Ha ha ha. Um, uh, Ernie is doing a really bad fake French accent because I guess it's a French restaurant. He he, I I will say I did not realize he was doing like fake french because i don't speak french until he calls something a la bibliotheque and then i was like oh okay so it's all bullshit like he doesn't speak french at all great cool uh but yeah he he's got uh the mayor there uh he's very excited we go into the kitchen um and uh ernie basically says like you know i'm pissed that my dad died of but mostly because he didn't get to see me be successful uh and then a really bad CGI cockroach crawls out of the it box. Is, it is such of... a bad co- like CGI cockroach that it like. Now bear in mind, this is 1997. It. Sure, is but that it, the like, same it... year. Go ahead. It... I mean, that is the same year. I think Phantom Menace came out. Okay. So... Phantom Menace came out in 1999, Zach. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. You got uh, me. Also, that was by Lucas Arts uh, or Lucasfilm, I, I like would, the fucking vanguard of digital technology. Yeah, like, and sure. also, that movie also looks like shit. Yeah, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna say here, like the history of CGI in uh, cinema. Uh, fantastic opening with Jurassic Park, which I believe it mixed yeah. CGI with animatronics, which is why it actually looks decent. Right. It did. It did. You know what's uh, T two does a great it. job because like it just looks like every like the the T one thousand just looks yeah. like Terminator, a Terminator two fantastic use of it as object like visual horror which is you yeah. know a, a great use of early CG and then it kind of was just really really bad effects and a, a mistake to introduce it yeah. to your yeah. movie until Lucasfilm started playing with it. Right. Um, oh, I will say this again. This cockroach is so bad; it almost wraps around to like, like the big mech from RoboCop or something. You know what I mean? Like, it feels otherworldly in the way that it moves. It sort of reminds me of the bugs from Starship Troopers, where yeah. it's like, is this is an evil alien cockroach, basically? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, or like a ghost cockroach. I don't know. We'll get this into could it. Could be something where the Men in Black have to show up after this incident. Yes. Yeah. Oh, real quick, because you mentioned it before I forget, uh, you said uh, Jurassic Park. Um, the mouse in this, I was really curious because a lot of times it looks like a real mouse. Oh, That's yeah, because no, I was going to get uh, into that at the after after we talk about the movie. 
Oh, well, we can talk about more when we get there, but I wanted to mention Stan Winston, the guy who worked on the fucking Terminator and he worked on the the uh, Jurassic Park dinosaurs, made an animatronic mouse for this movie. And he, it's in all the scenes where, like, you see the mouse's face close up and stuff. Huh. So yeah. th- there is, like, real like wizardry technical wizardry going into this movie yeah, which no, is like the, wild from a, from a technical standpoint this movie is actually kind of impressive i i found a whole web page that is preserved in a time capsule from what looks like 1997 that uh <laughs> great go, that wonderful delves into it and i'm really excited to d- dig into that later so the the cockroach gets into the mayor's food. Uh, he he takes a big bite and says like, mm, "Delicious nuts." Ugh. Yeah, he loves the and, almonds. And his one of his daughters, his twin daughters, uh, says like, um, "Oh, gross! Half of a cockroach." And they realize that the their dad has eaten the other half. Right, and then you get this uh, disgusting shot of him spitting up his food like a baby. Yeah, he throws up, and like then each, the ha- yeah, yeah, then just the, the ugh. the CGI half a cockroach moves around, and it's fucking yeah, aw- like it's goo so is upsetting. dripping from it. It's horrible, right? And uh, then he is so shocked by this that the mayor has a heart attack and dies. Yeah, the mayor fucking dies. This so, is the like, movie about hunting a mouse, right? Th- <laughs> the mayor's been killed within the first five minutes. Like the mayor's wife this- screaming, "Not again!" As her <laughs> husband. Dies immediately after a triple bypass. Is yes, something that sticks with a ten-year-old. Yeah, and I want to point out that his two twin daughters play with the caution tape after their dad dies, which yes. is a choice. To be okay. fair, their dad is dying. He's in the ambulance. Yeah, sure. They're attempting to resuscitate him. Yeah, that's that's true. I do uh, love the shot of just uh. Of Ernie just staring off into the middle distance as all the reporters swarm him for comment. That's a very good shot. He is standing there like you can see in his <laughs> eyes. Well, I'm fucked as all of the microphones like come up it's, to his face. It's that Simpsons bit of like, look, you can see the exact moment his hope dies. Yeah. yeah yes. It's very good. I genuinely enjoyed that shot. Uh we cut over to Lars. So n- basically, w- we're getting the setup for why the two why of these it's so important care about this damn mouse care care about the house, right? Because so now Ernie's ruined. So now we cut to Lars, and Lars is being offered uh, to be bought out by, by- the mafia. <laughs> yeah. So it's no, I two mean, guys- big big cord has deep deep pockets, Luke. Well, he's, he's like, ah, oh, no one makes string like this anymore by winding two pieces of rope together. Nah, you gotta make a cord. And he pulls out what looks a lot to be like a Garrett wire. Yeah, yeah. It's basically two guys from a nylon factory uh, who are very much styled after the mafia. Yeah, yes, no, this is correct. a scene that is set in like 1941. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're like, we want to buy your factory out, um, we'll give you a shitload of money, and you get to stay on and as, uh, like a string, I guess, consultant. Right. They, uh, the shitload of money they're offering him, by the way, is in a briefcase that they right. brought, just, just stacks of bills in a briefcase, and they're like, here, we'll give you this if you, if you let us buy your factory. 
Right. Right. It's, but at this point, we finally get the brother's backstory. Right. So n- he takes out this little piece of string, and they flash back to Ernie and Lars in the uh, in the hospital with their dying father, who gives them a piece of string. I just want to say. I just want to say, from the perspective of being a kid who watched this, their father is like gaunt. He's, and, skele- yeah. he's skeletal. Yeah. And like doing that thing where like he's lolling his head back and forth as he like rasps out his words and it was horrifying to me as a child yeah no fair it's creepy this actor has also been in a ton of stuff but i don't know who he is and i'm I looking, him up, look him up okay thank you um uh so he says basically william hickey he, william hickey thank you he says that he found this piece of string that his first day in america and he wants them to hold on to it uh, and, and, you know, here he basically says, I know you guys haven't talked much lately. Um, and Ernie immediately goes to break it in half because that's his character trait is like, he doesn't want to fucking deal with other people. Uh, well, he's like, no, uh, uh, to be fair, he does say, here, share this with your brother. And uh, yes. I don't know. Yeah. That breaking it in half makes sense to me. He's like, no, no, no. I want you to share it. Right. Yeah. And it's like, um, wait. Uh, Dad, how how do we do that? Like logistically, physically. <laughs> um, and and then he does specifically ask Lars to promise to never sm- sell uh sell the factory because it's it's a f- about family basically, and he promises. And then we cut back, and he 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 says, "Nope, I'm sorry, I can't sell the factory," and it's. You know, it's cheesy, but a little sweet. And then we immediately cut to gender stereotypes. Oh, yeah. The, the scene where Lars's wife is throwing It's Beth China. from News Radio. <laughs> okay, I did not know that. Um, she is hucking plates at him because, uh, fuck you, you should have sold the factory, you asshole. Uh, and then basically she kicks him out of the house. Yeah, no, so, it's like, she, he... Like, yeah, like he he tries to appeal to her. He's like, you know, isn't it isn't it, you know, more isn't family more important? She's like, no, I married <laughs> yeah. you because I thought I was going to get rich off string. <laughs> like, I, it's wild to me whenever I go back to watch a movie that's like, not even that old, but like twenty years old, and it's like, boy, they were way more okay with just. The wife is a horrible fucking oh, harpy, yeah. I yeah. guess, at that point. Now, and it's to be fair, this is a very specific character archetype of someone who's taking advantage of somebody else for financial gain. And there's yes. a slight bit of humor added to it that the big like the big money grift that this lady was running was a broken down old string factory. Sure. Where it's like, you know, yeah, yeah that is true. Um, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong that there's some iffy gender politics there, but it's not just a, you know, shrill wife. It's, it's a more, yes, that's true. It's a more specific yeah. archetype that ties into the kind of movie. This is, there is something about this movie. where, like, on one hand, Ernie, like loses everything through no fault of his own. Really? Uh, Lars is trying to do the right thing by his family and suffers for it. And it's like, oh, you feel for him. On the other hand, even after quote unquote losing everything, they still have a $50,000 piece of real estate. So fuck off. Yeah. Y- yeah. 
Yeah, there's definitely that bit where, like, because we didn't mention it, but he says it, um, Ernie says, like, oh, $50,000, so it's worthless. And I'm like, well, fuck you then, I guess. Right, I get that that's not that much money for a house, but you know what? More money than you had before you walked in the door. It's it's also worth considering that this was in 1997. Right, sure. When property ownership wasn't, like, a... It was it was within the reach of at least a portion of the population. Right. True. Um so then we cut to this this in, kind of funny scene to me where uh Lars is at a diner and he orders a a sandwich. Uh and on the TV is basically just the news story that So the timeline of this film doesn't make sense and this is you can see that here because there's a story about how Ernie murdered the mayor, basically. Right. Uh, and uh, Lars is getting a sandwich here. I, I just uh, want to say real quick, like, this is a very densely uh, populated scene. Like, there's a lot of knickknacks and, like, the TV has a has an old-looking note on it that says, do not touch settings. Like, they just filmed this on location somewhere, right? Yes, totally. Absolutely. It's amazing uh, that they just found a place that looks like it's both from the 90s and from the 40s. Like, they found a location I, that fits the nebulous setting of this film. I love, I kind of love this scene because, uh-huh. so he gets it, he asks for a cheese sandwich and he gets it and it's like, it's got a cheese sandwich, but it's got crepes on it. There's like a lemon capers. that's capers. Sorry, not crepes. Uh, there is a lemon that's been like hollowed out and turned into an art piece. There's like a little rose made out of ginger on the plate. Yeah, it's like beautiful. And he's like, um, "I sorry, I didn't want capers on this." And she goes, "Okay, okay." And meanwhile, uh, on the TV, you hear that Shay Ernie. Ernie's uh, a restaurant has been condemned and st- scheduled for demolition. The reporter, which, like, listen, the the reporter straight up lays out the idea of this movie by saying, "If there is a villain in this tragedy, it's Ernie Smuntz." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and like, I understand that what happened is terrible, but like, a cockroach, right? Meaning you have to demolish the restaurant. No, we have to burn the clear, entire block down. To be to be clear, a re- a cockroach that killed one of the like elite of the town. Right. Sure. Like, there's some politics at play here. Yeah. Sure. Um. So so she takes it back and uh uh. Well, why was the plate so fancy? Because Ernie's working there now and uh. Ernie basically comes up to the uh, to the ta- the the counter and is like, "Who fucking returned my sandwich? I'll fucking kill you!" Which I really <laughs> like that part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Lars just like hides his face with a menu, and then it finally is like, "Yeah, it was me. I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, um, you said the timeline doesn't make sense, but I I think it does. It's just so it's day one is the funeral, and then the will reading. Then Ernie goes uh, loses his job that night. And then this is day two. Like so day he just two gets is a when job he that met- fast. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, they they then like have a, a walk and and talk outside. And Lars yeah. says like it's not really fair. Everybody blamed you. Um, and he's like, yeah, but you know, it's just how it goes. Whatever. Um, and then he, he says 
society always needs someone to to persecute. The same thing happened to Galileo, which is very funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give you the idea of how, how Ernie thinks about himself, basically. He says society always needs someone to persecute, then stops and looks at a homeless man and says, ugh, sleeping in the street, pitiful, and walks away. Uh, yep. yep. That, that is maybe my favorite joke in this <laughs> yeah. first half, because he looks at this homeless man and says, uh, oh, uh, sleeping in the streets, pitiful, and then the homeless man screams, if I had a home, I'd sleep there, and I laughed really hard. <laughs> Um, but no, Luke's Luke's right. That's that's a pretty pointed, uh, that's yes. a pretty pointed bit right there. Right. Ernie is privileged as fuck, basically. Yes. Um. So they 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 then eventually say like, okay, so we're both like completely fucked. Uh, Lars doesn't have a place to stay, and Ernie's broke. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna go to that house and well, give yeah, it a they, shot. They see in the window of like a store. Like a ceramic exact duplicate of that house. Yeah. <sighs> and then yeah, it just fades weird. from that into the actual house. I do want to yeah. point out that it is Christmas time in the film. This is thematically appropriate to when that's yes. true. This. Yep, it is Christmas. It's uh, a Christmas movie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, it's so, at least as much of a Christmas movie as Die Hard. Man, I. I. I'm not an asshole about it, but, like, yeah. I watch that movie with my dad, like, at Christmas. I do consider it a Christmas movie. And then I saw that fucking uh, Don Jr. tweeted that that was his favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, damn it. Uh, anyway. I think there can be things you do as Christmas traditions that don't that are not inherently Christmassy themselves. Sure. Yeah. Um, they they head to the, the house and go inside, and it's like... It's it is obviously a sh- like busted okay, I, and I do just want to point out that they're having their big like uh, I guess realization of you know where they have left to turn directly in front of a group of carolers who at yes. as as they're like reaching the climax of the scene the carolers kind of stop and just kind of awkwardly shuffle off not meeting their eyes and you can hear the the person right. who's leading the group just being like that was very good. um so so like it's a dump but it's a mansion it's like a massive mansion yeah like it needs Uh, fixed up but it is a gigantic house yeah um and and like it's it's one of those houses that like opens up to a giant like entryway and has a spiral staircase and shit and or sorry a banistered staircase and it's like okay this so this is something but obviously it's all fucked up. Um, they find a uh, uh, a bed. I just want to say, I'm really mad about this. They walk into the house and just leave the front door open. It's cold and yeah, it's snowing, it- and they're intending to sleep here, and they're just kind of fucking... Yeah, it's one of those weird th- things that bothers me, like... Um, like uh, when people make food and then don't eat it in a movie. Yeah. Also, it's they're they're it, moving through this thing like they're fucking ghost hunters. Yes, right, totally. Yeah. <laughs> they they go upstairs to the bedroom and they. So with this, all the gross shit on in this Buzz movie, unsolved. There, there's with all the gross shit in this movie. Yes, totally. Uh, it's weird that this bothered me the most, but they just find a mattress that has been there. God knows how long. Yep. Like, yep. yep. 
Maybe someone fucking died on it, and they're just like, okay, we're going to sleep no, on this. No, they know for a fact that the only person who died there since <laughs> that was occupied died in a fucking trunk. Yeah. Sure, good point. It's still gross, and I hate it. Oh, yeah, no, um, it's it's horrifying to me. I can't imagine. Ernie is like, uh, let, uh, let's flip a coin for the, the bed, because there's only one bed. They f- They flip it. And a uh, CG coin spins around for a while, and then it it just lands on tails, basically. No, it doesn't. Or, sorry, it, sorry, lands, it lands on it lands edge. in the yeah on the edge, standing straight up. Yes. And instead of being like, well, I guess we'll flip again. They're just like, I guess we're both sleeping in this bed. <laughs> I, I feel mean, like the fact know? this coin lands on its side is the first hint that this house's mystical properties. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, that's. Here's the thing, Luke, on on normal teenagers with attitude, I get really frustrated with you when you do this, but, like, this house is clearly magic. No, this like, is a haunted house. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, I am 100% agree- in agreement with you. Um, they, uh, Lars wakes up in the middle of the night because he hears a, a, a noise and he makes Ernie go investigate. Um, they go up to the attic, uh, which is even spookier than the rest of the house. And there's a couple gags. There's some moths that, like, scare them. No, it's I like this gag because he finds a box full of, that's labeled mothballs. And he opens it and a bunch of moths fly out. Yes, totally. Um, they see, uh, like, a spooky shadow on the wall. And then it turns out to be uh, a, a jack-in-the-box that... Lars screams out anyway, because, I mean, it's pretty creepy. <laughs> I don't like it. I mean, what's it doing perched on the windowsill like that? Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it was set there by someone. Or something. <laughs> uh, there's a gag where Ernie shoves his face through a portrait of a lady, and then his fa- like, he turns around and it's his face on a lady. Haha. Right. Um... He gets boosted up because he says it's in the ceiling, and he sees uh, he gets, like, a mouse. His head rammed through the ceiling. Yes, uh, and he sees a mouse, and that is the first time we see the mouse. Um, and he also says, "Like, oh, there's a bunch of posters or something up here." He grabs them, falls down because, okay, so uh, Lars sees the mouse and freaks out and drops Ernie. Or yeah, Ernie. I, yeah. I do just want to point out that the the visual of him punching through the ceiling to grab the uh, posters is very funny to me. Uh, yes, yeah. that is funny. Um, and and Ernie, or sorry, Lars freaks out and drops Ernie. This is the first time that I've had mice in my apartment before. Yep. I don't like it. Yep. But the reactions of people in this film to a mouse are like. It may as well be like a zombie. Like they, they are, they shriek in terror when they see a mouse. Okay, Zach, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I've had mou- mouse infestations in apartments too, and that is almost exactly my reaction to seeing them. <laughs> okay, here's the thing: when in real life you see a mouse, that means there's a bunch of mice. In this movie, there's one mouse. And they are so scared of one mouse. Yeah, no, me too. It's a fucking tiny thing that moves in unpredictable ways and is hard to catch. And you know, it's going to be up in all your stuff and pooping everywhere. And it's horrifying. So cute, though. I love them. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right with mice. Um, 
Like I don't I don't want them in my house, but I'll just be like, oh hey, yeah, whoa, no. hi. We'll get, let's get you. Like, yeah, I'm I'm cool with them elsewhere. Like pet mice are cute. Lab mice are cute. Sure. Um, but so these quote unquote quote posters are uh in fact uh blueprints to the house. They find right. out that it was built in 1876 by someone named Lyle LaRue, and they repeat the name a couple times. Charles then, Lyle LaRue. Charles Lyle LaRue. Right. And you get uh, a whole bunch of like montage of other people repeating the name, because uh, it turns out he was a fancy architect man. Yes. So we basically cut then to a ton of uh, rich people coming in and being like, oh my god, this house is worth so much money. It's the Lost it's, LaRue. Right. It's the missing yeah, so LaRue. It's, no one knew where it was. Yeah, it's right. specifically uh, said to have been built right before he was committed. Yes. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> so th- the idea is he built this house and then went insane. Uh, so uh, everyone- I, uh, No, he built this house and went insane in the process. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. I, sure, sure. Okay. I mean, th- I feel like this is as good a time as any to start unfurling my theory for how this movie okay. works. No, yeah, I think you have to. I don't think you can wait. Yeah, Charles Lyle LaRue was an architect who dug too greedily and too deep into the mathematics of, you know, architecture. He built, uh-huh. he built uh, like, his own house of leaves. Uh, he This house is, like, filled with his own mind because it vacated his body as he built it. Which is then manifested as the mouse. Okay, you think LaRue is the mouse? I well, think no, the, it's, no, no, it's, I don't think it's that linear. The mouse I think is the mouse represents a... the animus of Charles Lyle LaRue, and it defends the house in its, like, former master set. What I'm saying yeah, it's... is that Charles Lyle LaRue was a stand user, and that mouse is his stand. <laughs> of course that's where you're Lexi, going go with it. No, I was just going <laughs> to clarify that, no, the mouse is like a... Um, it's like an animus. It's uh, it's a manifestation of his his desires and his madness. And um, also, the house is basically like it's kind of like the fucking building from Ghostbusters, where it's like uh-huh. specifically built in a way that like keys it into the supernatural. Right, okay, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, he, he gotcha. unlocked the powers of his mind, and they manifested as a stand in the form of this mouse. He's not even the only stand user in this movie. Their dad was also a stand user. That fucking piece of string, that's uh, that's a stand, also. <laughs> and when you don't you. trust I'm... in it, chaos follows you wherever you go. That's That cockroach, you know how it was like a weird cockroach that didn't look real? It's because it was manifested by the string. When okay, Nathan gotcha. Lane refused to uh, run the factory. Right. I'm sure. really mad at so, your execution, but I'm super on board with the core idea here. <laughs> so Nathan Lane is is trying to schmooze with some of these people who've come to look at the house. Uh, and he asks what he thinks, uh, what this guy thinks the house is worth and he says, well, uh, the last one that was sold was went for six, and that was ten years ago, um, and this is nicer. Uh, he goes, great, cool, thanks. Uh, and then he goes and talks to Lars and says, $600,000. And it's just funny because obviously it's not that. Like, <laughs> yeah, clearly the, that these right. people million. are clearly dealing in a higher price bracket than that. Yeah. Uh, 
a, a famous, uh, I guess, real estate guy comes in. He's a in. LaRue his, collector. His name is Alexander Falco. And he, everyone like freaks out, is like, oh my gosh. And, and he comes up to Ernie and says, congratulations on your find. I'm going to buy this fucking house. It's going to be uh, his get- 43rd house that he has as a collection. Yeah. Which can't like, wait to chop this motherfucker's head off. That's, <laughs> a, that's the thing that, that's so wild to me is like, listen, I'm not a fan of landlords, but I don't even think he's renting them. I think no. he just has houses. No, he is he rich. No, that's with. my point, Zach. He is rich enough to be accruing property for the collection of it. That he's yeah. The, yeah. That's, the, so, that's worse than landlords is the hoarding of property. Like yeah, have you have you ever houses. read a have you ever read stories on like what actually happens to all those like vanity mansions that get built and never lived in? Houses that don't get lived in decay. People end up yeah. being employed just to keep the house going. And right. Like the amount of like power and other like environmental drains that are caused by this unused property is insane. Like it's Yeah. It's a fucking blight. Yeah. yeah, so, like, this guy sucks. Uh, he says, uh, hey, I'm going to buy this house, uh, and I'm going to make you an offer. And basically, Ernie says, ha- has sort of figured out how um, uh, how much this house is going to be worth. Right. Well, he, he thinks says, he has. Sorry, he, he repeats back what the other guy said to right. sound like he knows what he's talking about. Yes, he literally just repeats what the other guy told him, and then uh, he the this guy is impressed uh, and says, "Oh, well, I'll make you an offer." And Ernie says, "Actually, we're going to do an auction instead because I'm I want as much money out of this motherfucker as I can get." Basically, well, and yeah. So here's the thing: I don't even this movie. I don't think even judges Ernie. For being privileged or seeking money, no, it judges him for wanting all the money. He could yeah, have yes. just taken the money and walked away at this point. Yeah, and he would have gotten a nice yeah, surprise. His, that no, were, yeah, there was an is, extra zero on the check. This is a classic morality tale where his his greed and overreach ultimately dooms him. <laughs> right. right. Uh, and then there is a very good uh, joke slash shot, basically of. Uh, they're still operating on the idea that it was 600,000. Uh, and as this, this guy storms out, he says, well, I'll be there for the auction, but I warn you, I've never paid more than 10 million for a house in my whole life. And then he walks out and then there's just a slow zoom in on Nathan Lane, Nathan Lane and, uh, uh, Lee Evans's face as they like, it's such a good because Nathan Lane's face is all smarmy, and Lee Evans just has his mouth open, basically. Yeah, they're just and, frozen yeah. as this information is very, very slowly pulsing between <laughs> the two brain cells that they share. Yeah, it's it's very, very funny. I, I like that a lot. And I then you, also, oh. I don't want to point out every joke, but I when they're like conferring or whatever on the plan to, to do the auction or whatever, as they're going back... Uh, Lars just bangs his head on the banister, and it's not something that's highlighted or remarked upon in any way whatsoever. It's just yeah. incidental, and I feel like that really sets the tone of this film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so then we're in the money plays, and we cut to them 
in the evening, just talking about the shit they're gonna buy. With yeah, just all throwing of their, olives into each other's mouths. With all of their money, because um, they're so excited. Um, and then there's a shot that there are a couple of in this film, because I think they're using CGI and it had a pretty decent budget. Yeah. Uh, that's like goes through the rafters and, and like shows like, you. It's, yeah, it's like very through clearly the, the mouse. It's clearly, clearly the mouse's perspective as it's moving through the house. Right. And, and uh, there is a funny gag that you basically can't even hear that I only noticed because of the subtitles, uh-huh. which is uh, Lars says that, um, He's gonna buy his his ex wife uh, a lot of china because she loves china, which is funny because she was fucking <laughs> it at him earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that bit. Um, and then yeah, we finally come to the mouse, uh, and the mouse is uh, just well, I can't remember. He's just hanging out. No, he's watching. He's, he's out, watching like, this. They drop like, an olive while they're eating it. Yeah, so he's yeah. watching. Yes. He's watching them talk through the mouse hole, and then the olive lands on the floor, and he's like, "Oh shit, that's mine." Yeah. Now, this is where I want to mention that, like, they decide to renovate the house, and that's right. understandable. But like, I don't think it matters. These people are gonna buy this house. Well, yeah, that and like the whole point is that it is a historical like rarity. These two yutzes with, like, their two-by-fours and, like, hammer and nails are not going to properly restore it. No, <laughs> like, they're going to so, devalue it by working right, on it. They're, the irony here is they're operating on what you do normally if you got a, a shitty house, which is, oh, right, we're going right. to fix it up, make it look as nice as possible so we can hopefully recoup our investment with an au- at the auction, right? Right. Um, that but, doesn't really apply in the situation they're in. <laughs> But, but yeah, and, and the other reason I'm mentioning this is because, like, the amount of hatred that these two <laughs> men show to this mouse and, like, the singularity with which they want to kill this mouse, do, no one was like, I will give you $10 million if you kill this mouse. That well, never okay. fucking happened. Here's the thing. I kind of thought the same thing, but then I thought about it for two fucking seconds, and I realized that actually it's it makes sense and it tracks. Zach. Okay. Because uh, Ernie just had his, like, he has a line about how, like, no, listen, one vermin can ruin everything. I know. He's traumatized by the cockroach, and he's obsessed with the idea of doing this perfectly, because he knows if one little thing goes wrong, it'll all fall apart on him. That actually makes sense. Which Which is, of course, a theme of the movie. And then in, in being paranoid about that brings about the ending that he was fearing. Yeah, right. Uh, it also yeah, it also right, fits Lexi. in yeah, with totally. what we've seen of Ernie's personality, which is this mouse bests his his attempts to kill it, which then makes it a personal vendetta. Like his it's his ego on the line now, and not just the house. Right. Yeah. So they do see the mouse go into the uh, into the hole with the olive, and we are at twenty six minutes into the film called Mouse Hunt, and now it is time to hunt a mouse. And let's We're also take one a- hour into this podcast. Yeah, and let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hi, it's me, Ava. And me, Michelle. 
We're the hosts of Thesaurus Wrecked, and our goal is to kiss the thesaurus goodbye. Every episode, we take five sets of synonyms and give them unique definitions. No more need for thesauruses. Just tune into our new podcast on audioentropy.com to listen to words wage gladiatorial combat. We're going to make thesaurus go extinct. So, it's time to hunt the mouse. Uh, and Yeah, and Ernie is very excited to hunt, to hunt this mouse. And he says, uh, you're right. this is where he says what you said, Luke, which is uh, one vermin could, could ruin everything. So we're going to murder this motherfucking mouse. And he puts a little <laughs> olive on a, uh, on a trap and sets it out for the mouse uh, in front of its little mouse hole. And uh, we get a scene of the mouse... Uh, coming out to see the 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 uh, olive, and we don't see what happens exactly. Yeah, it but cuts. It cuts back to them. We hear a snapping sound, and like it wakes them up, and almost kind of like yeah, like they 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 wake up just enough to like hear it, and then go back to sleep. Right. Yep. Uh, in the morning, uh, Ernie goes downstairs and. Uh, gets a box of cereal out of out of the cabinet. And it <laughs> I just, just realized that this house looks a lot like the house from Fight Club. It, it, it does. Do, it actually looks a lot like. <laughs> it actually looks like a lot like the house from Fight Club, and also the house from Casper, which is oh, weird. I haven't to me. seen that one in a long time. And, I mean, maybe this is an actual old house that gets used in movies. Maybe yeah, it could be. I didn't. I didn't do any research on that. Uh. But his raisin bran uh, has a hole in it because of the mouse. It pours all out. Yeah, he doesn't notice. Right. It's kind of the fucking gunpowder gag you've seen in a million cartoons. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they are like, oh, yeah, we heard the thing last night. They go to check it, and uh, the the mouse is not there. Uh, the trap has snapped, and the pit of the olive is still there. And Lars says... He left the pit to mock us, and and Ernie's like, "You're an idiot. It's a mouse. He didn't do that. Uh, it. He's not like sitting there in his lair, uh, chuckling about it." And then he pours out some more cereal, and there's the mouse. Right, and at this point, they are uh, transfigured from men into cartoon characters. Yeah. Th- this. 28 seconds, 28 minutes and 40 seconds is where this goes from a weird movie into a Looney Tunes cartoon that happens to have humans in it. This becomes an episode of Tom and Jerry. Yes, it's wild because it's, again, there has been slapstick and shit in this movie up to this point, but now it's like... It's this is Three Stooges bullshit. Yeah, it like goes from like a weird, kind of weird movie to... Lars fucking hits him with a broom and they fight each other like they're in the goddamn Three Stooges and like he literally pulls out a hammer to chase this mouse with and is like yes screaming maniacally as he holds it in the air as he runs yeah like it, it literally doesn't even feel like Three Stooges thing to me. It feels like Tom and Jerry. Like the the yeah. blocking and the way they move is very animated in a way that feels like a cartoon. Right, and like they're hitting each other a lot in yeah. in that in that like way of the and you know Lars fucking hits uh, Ernie's hand with the hammer, 
And then they, like, choke each other like they're fucking Barton Homer. Like, it's so crazy how quick this shifts to <laughs> complete nonsense. Also, to immediately prove Lars right and Ernie wrong, as the mouse escapes into his hole, he stops to take the pit with him. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, like, no, and, he is absolutely mocking you. And yeah. then we get another thing that, like, genuinely I loved, which is, uh, Ernie says, get me my Gouda, which is very a good line. Uh, he gets a, a big wheel of Gouda cheese, slices off a little tiny bit. I want to just point out that knowing that there is like this house hasn't been cleaned in decades and there is a like vermin living there. They just set this entire ass wheel of cheese on the ground. They did put it on the floor, so what happens next is kind of on them, to be completely also, honest with Also, you. This, this cheese is no longer edible to them the moment they set that on that floor. Like, no, Lord knows totally. what kind of disease they'd get if they ate that. Uh, they I are mean, they putting, set it down with the rind on the floor, didn't they? That is true. They're putting a little bit of cheese on the trap. Because and to be fair, it's not a, like the table is going to be any cleaner. Yeah. They're fighting about how to put it on there correctly while the mouse gets on top of the wheel of cheese and fucking rolls it by running against it like he's in a video game. <laughs> and it's, this is the this is the part where I realized that I'm supposed to be rooting for the mouse and not them. And sure. I was like, oh, OK, got it. Got it. I see what's happening here. <laughs> they don't even they don't even notice that he took it. No, they completely miss it. It's the best. Uh, I I all of a sudden love the mouse. Uh, we then get um, a scene of them trying to fix up the outside of the house. And th this is where um, something I noticed that had been kind of bugging me the whole movie. Uh, I, I wrote down a note, which is basically that. So Lars is hammering, uh, and then, like, the head of his hammer just flies off, and it uh, knocks over a thing onto Ernie, and ha-ha-ha. But, like, the what I noticed... The loosened the hammerhead. Yes. But what I noticed is, like, it, it, whereas in Home Alone, or, or a lot of other slapstick stuff, they very clearly show you, like... This, this hammer is about to break, so isn't oh, some crazy yeah. shit's gonna happen? This movie doesn't really do that. Like, yeah, sure. it's like I mentioned. It's like I mentioned earlier about Lars banging his head. It's like all this stuff is just they just let that stuff happen. Right. There's not which like I don't think is inherently bad, but because there's not a lot of like setup payoff structure, it it's weird. It makes every joke feel kind of like throwaway. See, I love it because it's not overly telegraphed. Like, it's... Yeah, it's not bad. It's just, it's very different than what I'm used to in these types of movies, where they really want to make sure that, like, you know that Kevin McAllister put this here before it hits the, you know, right. Joe Pesci in the See, nuts or whatever. I feel whatever. like I've seen enough, enough things that are like this where you don't need to insult my intelligence by prepping <laughs> me for the joke that's about to happen. Sure. Sure. Um, the, uh... At this point, uh, we see the mouse eat, like, finishing the whole fucking cheese, which is great. I like that right. shot a lot. Yeah. Again, uh, another another indication that this is not a, a real animal. Yeah. This is some supernatural yeah, again, force like, at work. Luke's theory, either, <laughs> either the mouse is a ghost or, like, a spectral manifestation or... 
No, you know what? There's not a second. Yeah, no. Consider, like, <laughs> consider just from a simple mass perspective how much bigger that wheel of cheese was than the mouse. It literally could not physically eat all of that cheese. It's just one of those things where they try to make a cartoon into real life and you're like, well, that, I mean, he can't do that. Like, he can't. He's a real mouse. He's not a no, cartoon. he's not a real mouse. <laughs> well, yes, but you know what I'm saying. Like, they, it breaks you because you're like, well, that's just impossible. Like, I don't know what you want me to do with this. Um, we then get a, a pretty extended sequence of the mouse uh, going back into his home. Right. This uh, is where they try uh, this... to win you over to, to liking the mouse. Yes. Well, so what I like about this is this mirrors the perspective shot we saw before. Like, he kind of goes through the same environments, including, like, running down a rope and stuff. And we're just seeing it from external perspective now. This is, this is right. also a lot of just real mouse. Like, this is yep. a trained mouse, and he's... Uh, trained mice, actually. I'll get into it. Y- yes. Uh, yeah, And I'm he's sure. going down, and he gets in a little bed that he has, and he's so <laughs> cute, and I love him this so is, much. This is also, a, this is also a, a thing where you realize, okay, this is, this is not an actual just mouse, because this isn't just a little bed. He has a watch set up on a, like, spool that's his nightstand. And he's got po- posters. Yeah, a poster of a beach that he gazes at lovingly as he's falling asleep. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and and basically, again, this this make this is the scene where you f- are forced as the viewer to make a choice between I am watching a cartoon that happens to not be a cartoon or this mouse is the devil. Like, you have to pick between one of those two things, So that's the tragedy, is this mouse is eternally bound to this house, and yet he still dreams of a different life. Right. Again, I want to point out that the mouse killed someone who lived in this house, like, 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, this mouse is eternal, I guess. Yeah. Um... So he's going to sleep, and then I I don't like this part at all. This this is genuine <laughs> horror all of a sudden. Yeah. So so you don't see what's happening at first, but basically Lars is using a nail gun to staple the uh, uh the molding back onto the um, wall. <laughs> right. He's doing such a bad job. He's yeah, bad no, at I it. I want to yell at how many nails he is using. I have done this sort of work. Yes, he's this doing is a, a horrible job. Uh, but we don't see that. What we see is just giant nails trying to kill this tiny, adorable mouse. Yes, yeah, this is all of a sudden an apocalypse movie. <laughs> yeah, it's so horrifying. And like, they do a pretty good job of making you understand why this mouse is about to torture these men for for about fifty minutes because right. like. It's his house, and they're trying to kill him. And in, honestly, in the way these nails are going, like, it's obviously it's framed and shot to fit the scene. But, like, from the mouse's perspective, like, they are trying to kill him because these these nails are practically targeted at him. Right. So, basically, he's just, uh, Lars is just going down the line, but the mouse is running away to not get murdered. So, it's literally like he's being chased by nails. Um, and then for some reason, he uses he like surrounded. six fucking nails in one spot, completely yes. trapping the mouse. He gets trapped, and then he's about to get speared, and the nail gun, like, breaks. 
And uh, then he gets distracted by Ernie and the mouse is like, okay, so he escapes. This is this whole thing is also the the Stan Winston animatronic mouse. So you get a bunch this of is, facial stuff with the mouse. This is uh, this is where this is where Bugs Bunny like dusts his hands off and says, well, I guess this means right. war. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's the thing is like you do. This mouse has motivation. But he doesn't speak at all, and it's not right. even like what's that movie? Not Stuart Little, little the one where he's got uh, a, the mouse has like oh, a mouse little with motorcycle. motorcycle, mouse mouse with a motorcycle. Where I don't, mouse. He doesn't talk, does he? I, th- um, I don't Ralph, remember. I think I'm pretty sure Ralph talks. Oh, okay, I thought he just had like an inner monologue, and I was gonna say he the mouse has no like. It's just a mouse, except well, I, you know it's not just a mouse. That's why I think the touchstone is less Bugs Bunny and more Tom and Jerry. Yes, sure. totally. It is It is sort of Tom and Jerry, where he is, does not speak, but he's clearly not just a normal mouse. Because um, now he's stalking them. He's, like, following them around. Um, and they... Uh, this. So this is actually a plot point. Er, Ernie has purchased a $1,200 uh, jacuzzi tub <laughs> yeah. to help spruce up the place which again completely i think misunderstands why these people want to buy this house they 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 specifically address that in the thing lars is like uh don't you do you think don't you think this is kind of like the wrong aesthetic for this house and ernie feebly justifies it like it's a jacuzzi they threw in the cardboard lady in the tub as a bonus yeah uh he's an idiot they're taking it upstairs the mouse looks at them through like a jug, so it ampli- it it magnifies his face, and they freak out and fall into the tub and fly down the stairs and out the door onto uh, a lake, basically. A frozen lake. Yeah. The ice breaks. They go under, and they have died. They are dead. If they do not I... drown in this fr- literally freezing water, they die of hypothermia immediately after they escape. It's weird because I... I sort of remembered them going into the lake, but that's not what happens. Maybe it happens later yeah, in the movie. No, it happens literally in this scene. Oh, it does. Okay, you're right. It does. But then they just, like, there's no follow-up. Yeah, they no, just it cut just cuts to, cut to the next fine. scene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's Wiley Coyote gets flattened by the anvil and just walks off screen. Yeah. We now see, uh, and again, like, as you said, Luke, with with this movie just going from, like, weird to complete fucking batshit. Right. Uh, they have put out a thousand mousetraps in a way that makes no sense whatsoever. Like, why would you do this? It doesn't know. Well, because they know that the mouse knows how to avoid a single mousetrap, but they figure that, you know, if he snaps a trap to get the treat... It'll set off a chain reaction, and eventually one of the mouse traps will get him. Also, I don't think that's how mouse traps work. I don't think they're that sensitive. But okay, these fine. ones are. They set. They, they set can, that. They up. can be. They. There is also. This is one of the the gags I really like. Uh, where basically they have set up mouse traps across the whole room, and they're at a door, and they're like, okay, so. The whole room is filled with mousetraps. Now let's go through this door. Oh, okay, we locked it, so they just sleep there, like, on the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah they've, they've painted themselves into a corner, as it were. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I like that part. Um, 
they wake up in the morning, and now we just get this nice sequence of them watching the mouse, like, pick its way across the room. Uh, right. And they're just watching it because they don't know what it's doing. And it's right, or avo- why it's not going for any of the food they put out. Right. It's avoiding all the, the cheese and olives that they've set up. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, uh, there's some, like, it swings on a fucking light, uh, uh, rope, like, and turns into a CG mouse for a second. Uh, it, it just crawls all the way over and gets to this big bowl of cherries, which, okay, they, they're staying in this house. And I understand that they, like, brought cereal in and shit because they are living here while they're setting it up. Why do they have a big bowl of open cherries? Because Ernie's a cook, and he has to be fancy about cooking. Okay, gotcha. Fair enough. Also, once they found out how much money they're going to be making off of this, they decided to get a little luxurious. Hence the olives, hence the the big open bowl of cherries. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Hence the Gouda. Um, The Gouda, yes. So the mouse uh, jumps onto a spoon that's in the bowl of cherries, and it catapults a cherry. Oh, I I do really like this this exchange where uh, when you go in for the cherries, uh, Lars is like, I, "I thought you said he likes Gouda," and Ernie clearly just bullshitting at this point is like, "Nah, not in the morning. Cheese tires them out. In the morning they need fruit for energy." Yeah, yeah, which is. Really weird, but it's funny. It's a Balkan skull-esque exchange. <laughs> they're, they're totally very Balkan skull in this movie. I mean, uh, they... And then... then And speaking of Balkan skull, one of the things that, that keeps getting me about this movie is like... Okay, so the the cherry sets off one of the traps, and you just see this After, wave of like, traps going towards them. like, landing on the floor and doing them. a bizarre, like, spinning journey th- across the yes. floor. And they scream because this wave of traps is coming towards them. That's fine. Those things hurt like fuck. I mean, it's not good. You don't want that. But it's then they, like... It's enough to kill a mouse. Right. But, but then... They do a Balkan skull-ish thing, which is that they just, like, roll onto them for some reason. Yeah. And they make it way worse than it would be if they just, like, sat there and only got a couple of them on them. Lars has one on his lower lip, and it is so upsetting to me to see. Yeah, that's gotta hurt a bunch. Um, Yeah, so they... they, uh, And this is kind of the point at which Ernie, like, breaks... Like, yep. he's no longer, like, just trying to figure out the best way to catch this mouse. He's just no, gone. No, he's gone insane here. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, the rat in the walls, except it's the mouse in the walls. Um, and he... This is also the point... Okay. Again, there there's a bunch of turns in this movie where it's like, okay, so now it's a cartoon. Oh, I guess this mouse is intelligent. This is one of the weirder ones where we find out this mouse can read. Because <laughs> <laughs> basically they try, they get a vacuum and they shove it into the mouse hole. And uh, they are trying to suck the mouse up. The mouse like catches a little thing, a uh, cord. A wire, yeah. A wire uh, to, to not get sucked up. And he sees a thing that says sewage line. And then we cut back to Ernie he and looks, Lars. He looks at it and then looks at the fucking camera. Yeah, he does. There's a lot of camera looks in this movie. Uh, but this is the first one where the mouse looks at the camera. 
Uh, and literally, I guess just we don't see it really, but he hooks so he, the he hooks the vacuum to the sewage lines. So now they're vacuuming up a bunch of poop. Yup, and the bag explodes, and they're covered in shit in this children's film. They're yeah. covered in poop. Uh. Watching the, the this bag in this thing grows to grotesque proportions. Yes. Yeah. This is uh, this is another this is... one of those scenes that's like upsetting to me on a visceral level. <laughs> yeah, and also this is one of those things where as an adult I'm watching it and I'm going like it's weird that poop jokes are a staple of children's television cuz yeah. poop is I, I mean, it's human shit. Like, it's <laughs> fucked up. It's not like a... It's weird that that's a thing that's acceptable to joke about for little kids, I guess. I don't get it. It's really strange. Um, so they yeah, get the comple- mouse literally, like, goes to a windowsill outside the house to watch this go down. Like, this... You're right, Zach. This was completely premeditated and planned. Yeah. Th- this, I mean... You know, the whole thing about in, in The Simpsons, the itchy and scratchy, is that if you think about Tom and Jerry too hard, uh, Jerry is kind of the asshole, right? Like, he's he is way going above and beyond what he needs to do to chase this cat away. And this is a similar thing where it's like, well, obviously I understand we've been shown that the mouse is, is like, in terror for his life, but holy shit, that's like... Okay, fine, great. So, like, the thing about this is, this doesn't actually solve his "they're trying to kill them" problem, and really just makes the his home worse. Like, this is yes. this is pure spite, right? Um. So then we get a a, a plot point, which again, I feel like the it's weird that the what this movie is about happens so late kind of sure because like the the mouse hunt start shit doesn't start till 26 minutes like i said now we're at 40 minutes and we are now given kind of a ticking clock um right because they're coming to repossess the house because the their dad borrowed against it and he owed twelve hundred dollars on it's not because their dad borrowed against it yes it is it's no it's not it's because Ernie borrowed against it for twelve hundred dollars for the tub. Oh wait, what? Yes, no, I thought. Yes, it is. It's twelve hundred dollars. Why does he, he know says, about the mortgage then? I I don't know. I thought but the it's, implication was that it, their dad still owed twelve hundred dollars on yeah, the mortgage. Yeah, so, yeah. Because you stop paying your mortgage payments. Yeah, what, and it's just oh, by coincidence, it's exactly as much money as Ernie yeah, wasted because, on the tub. Yeah, because when Ernie bought the tub, he said he spent their last twelve hundred dollars. Okay, okay, so, so they had twelve. Okay, yeah, I'm so sorry, cos- I misunderstood. It's a cosmic irony. Yes, right, sure. Uh, the 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 guy from the bank says you have uh, a week from five days ago to get it fixed. Uh, and Ernie, who again is talking to this man while covered in shit and uh, with mousetraps attached to his body is like well we're in the midst of an extensive renovation and the guy is like it seems like that's going real great which i do enjoy that part <laughs> that the, the poise and composure of this man to deliver this news and deal with this to two men covered in mousetraps and actual shit is <laughs> yeah i would have taken one look at that and been like you know what i'll call you <laughs> uh, so now I want to talk about the part where I decided fuck this movie forever. Um, oh, 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 okay, yeah. 
Because they go to a pound to get a cat in order oh, yeah. to buy no, this it is and kill the mouse. Upsetting. This and, pound. Okay, this is genuinely the part where I was like, "Who is this movie fucking for?" Because it's not children. Clearly, <laughs> it's not children. Because so they're walking through this dingy. It looks like one of the fucking prison. Like to bring it back to my joke earlier, this looks like one of the fucking prisons they've explored in BuzzFeed Unsolved. Dude, this is like this is an Auschwitz joke. Yeah, yeah, kind of. This movie, this is an Auschwitz joke in this movie for children about two men who can't catch a mouse. They they kind of take because, go to a pound that's a concentration camp, huh? Yeah, because it's like it's concrete blocks and like just white lights overhead, and they're there's walking. kind of a gas chamber. Th- there's, there's extremely not, a gas chamber. There's a a child who comes out while they're entering. Who is screaming for her cat and like, no, please, please, my kitten, no. And I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, you can hear her screaming for so long. And I'm like, what is this fucking movie? <laughs> like, I don't no, this understand. Is, this it, is it's, viscerally upsetting. Yeah, and you see, like, they're they ring the little bell, like you would at a uh at like any normal store and this man comes out in a full hazmat suit because he was just g- murdering a kitten they yeah. literally, literally killing a kitten yeah they literally as they walk into this reception desk there is a kitten in a cage just this adorable little kitten like actual child cat and like ah oh, it's cute and then they, and then, and then a guy in a fucking hazmat suit comes out takes the takes the fucking cage into the killing chamber and I, I want to be clear. I, I know you probably understand this is a joke, but if you don't know, that's not how they deal with with animals who need to be put down. There's not a fucking gas chamber at your at your uh, pound. That isn't how it works. That said, uh, kill shelters still fucking suck. So, kill like, if you're considering suck. getting a pet, go to a fucking shelter and adopt an animal. Adopt an animal, have your pets spayed and neutered. It's very important. Uh, but the way this pound is portrayed is fucking insane. Like, the, he then, they're like, okay, we need a cat. And he takes them into the back room, which, again, I like, I was like, am I just reading into it too much? But no, this is a fucking concentration camp joke. Like, that's what th- is happening. Yeah, no, I, well, I don't know if joke's the right word, but it's definitely a reference. Sure, yes. Um, and they're like, well, these are all kittens, uh, you know, in these, like, also, cages lying Also, I just want to note the guy, the guy here, uh, working here, or whatever they're talking to is Ernie Sabella, who you might recognize as the voice of Pumbaa from The Lion King. Uh, oh, shit. I totally did not notice that. Okay. It's um, a when I was first, I, I didn't, I didn't know who he was at first, but as he and Nathan Ling were talking, I'm like, Okay, weird. This this gives me a like a weird familiar feeling. Why? Then <laughs> I look I, it up. I'm like, oh. I um I don't know if other people have this problem, but like if you have heard a cartoon character's voice a lot, and then you see that person in live action, whenever I look away from the t- the screen, I immediately imagine that cartoon character. Uh, the funniest yeah. this ever is is uh in. Criminal Minds, which is a really fucked up, uh, like murder, like serial killer show. 
uh, but the guy who plays Fat Tony from The Simpsons is in it, and sometimes I look away from the screen when he's talking about awful things, and I imagine a fat Italian man. So... <laughs> Yeah, that this is I, I did not know this was Pumbaa. That's that's great. Um but yeah, so they they tell him like we need a really ferocious feline and Ernie specifically says uh preferably one with a history of mental illness, which yeah, is one of those jokes that's not cool. Nope. But also the fact that he specifically asked for a mentally ill cat to kill this mouse is so over the top that I laughed at it anyway. Because what is this movie? What Again, is this movie? Like <laughs> anyway, immediately after that, he says, "I'm talking one mean pussy." Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, so the the guy leads them. <laughs> Luke, Luke really doesn't want to dig into that. I'm so tired. I just want to get through these last couple scenes. We're almost done. (laughs) Uh, He he brings him to the meanest cat they got, Catzilla. It's in a wooden box. It's all chained up. Uh, He says says they're about to gas him again. Right. Okay, that did make me laugh. Despite (laughs) how awful this is, like, they're like, yeah, we were going to gas him again. And they both look at each other and are like, um, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, so they, they take the box. Uh, you just, you don't really see the cat, really. They, like, look through the thing and they're like, oh, shit. It does the the monster thing where the, the chained box just kind of shakes. Right. Yeah, and the guy who works there, Pumbaa, uh, like fucking shocks him with an electro staff type thing to to uh, calm him down. Yeah, I it's guess. like the fucking Tuscan Raiders with, uh, um, or not Tuscan Raiders, the Jawas with R two D two. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I was gonna say it's like the beginning of Jurassic Park. Yes, yeah. it is also that. Uh, so they take him home, and this is uh. I mean, there's bad CG in this movie, but this is easily the worst I've seen so far, uh, which is that the cat's legs break out of the box, but it's still walking around, and it looks so bad. It yeah. looks so bad. <laughs> um, but they show it a mouse, and so this fucking box with legs wanders off to murder the mouse, which is, you know, pretty funny, I guess. It's yeah. weird. This- this is, again, this movie just gets, it's like, you know, we we talked about how Nathan Lane is going insane, but I kind of feel that way watching this movie as it continues. <laughs> like, the movie effectively puts you into the um, mental state of its protagonists. Yeah. I don't even know. You haven't seen the second half. No, I can't imagine what happens. <laughs> All uh, the ways it fucking escalates. Think about how quickly this escalated, and now think about how there, you still have half a movie to go. Yeah. So uh, the, um, the, the cat sets its box in front of the mouse hole and then pulls his legs in like a turtle. Uh, <laughs> and then the mouse comes to inspect the box, and then the the cat breaks the box open and it's a horrible animatronic oh cat. yeah it, oh, this fucking gave <laughs> yeah. me some sabrina the teenage witch flashbacks i love it yeah, 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 yeah. my wife was literally like is that just the salem cat but they repurposed it <laughs> like yeah <laughs> yeah um and then there's a fucking looney tunes like 
You know where uh, uh, Bugs Bunny like burrows up somewhere and says, "Oh, I took a wrong turn to Albuquerque." It's right. that joke because they you just see a lump of cat and mouse under the cur- uh, under a, a rug moving around. Right, for a while. and then you get another classic cartoon bit where they dive into a piano together, and all the keys are like flying all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it plays a little song where they yeah. while they fight each other, uh, and then we cut to. Um, and honestly, I, I have a note here where I basically say, like, this is my favorite stuff so far, is just yeah. the cat and mouse without <laughs> the two, char- like, human characters. I would almost like it if this turned into, like, an old lady who swallowed the fly situation, or the cat gets the mouse, then it's like, wait, fuck, how do we get this cat out of here now? <laughs> this, this is a way worse problem. We can't have people in here for the auction with this cat around, it'll kill them. Um, so we cut to the factory where uh, Lars is explaining that he has no money to pay uh, the workers, who I do want to point does, out. he does, he's just choosing not to pay them so he can pay off that house. Right. Uh, also, I want to point out that every person who works at this factory is 97. There are no, like, there are no young people at this entire thing. Um, Ernie finds the uh, the offer to from Zepco, the... Uh, uh, other manufacturer to buy out the uh, place, and he's like, "Ah, oh, shit! Uh, he should have done this." He then looks up at the painting of his dad, which I guess is a plot point. I did not realize that, and he just stares at it. But I don't Luke's- know if it's a plot point, but it's it's thematically significant to the movie. It's, well, it's Luke says it matters. So, oh, it matters yeah. a lot. Again, uh, uh, the architect is not the only stand user in this world right yes okay yes no i do um, i do remember that the that there's some significance to it i just didn't remember how direct lars uh says yeah it's bad they're really pissed we need to leave we see like like shadows of a mob coming towards them with like forks and or pitchforks and shit and then they jump out the window and escape uh and then the last scene we're going to talk about before we we cut for the episode is oh sorry there is I'm I'm sorry there is a quick thing where uh Ernie says boy it's it's so sad that no one would buy the factory uh and Lars still doesn't tell him about the offer yeah clearly yeah. trying to bait him into into telling him and now he knows Lars right. is intentionally keeping that from him and Right. Oh, and he actually already they already hinted at the thing I was saying. This painting is not the same painting that was there before. He's right, got a different yeah, expression yeah, no, on his face. It has visually changed. Yes. Okay. Uh I did not notice that. So now it'll we be get it'll a, become more visible later. Now we get a bit where the cat is like reaching into the mouse hole, and the mouse is behind him and pushes one of the mouse traps. Uh, well, so actually, it's not just that he pushes a mousetrap onto the cat's tail, which is already, like, diabolical. He actually sets four mousetraps up in, like, the spacing of the cat's four legs first. And then he puts the other one on the tail, so when the cat turns around to chase him, he steps into all four mousetraps, which is, so, like... this is a little upsetting, because I think in some of these shots, they're using an actual cat. Th- that's it. They are. They totally are. Uh, whenever the cat is, like, running around, it's just a cat. Yeah, like, it's, it's just an actual cat. Because it's totally cat. doing that thing where if you've ever seen cats wearing, like, anything on their paws, and they do these really exaggerated movements yeah. because they've lost their sensation yeah. of where their feet are on the ground. Like, 
I feel bad for that cat. I don't think they put, you know, mouse traps on his feet, but I bet they put like something no, like but something. They on probably his just feet. strapped wooden pieces to his feet. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, still, like that cat's clearly uncomfortable and that sucks. Yeah, he's not happy, but but like I'm I'm upset because again, I understand this cat is supposed to be evil. That's what the movie is telling me. But unfortunately what happens next is that <laughs> this cat sees uh the mouse going up a dumb waiter. Right. Uh, and the mouse opens the door to the dumbwaiter. The cat gets in it, and then the mouse chews through the rest of the cords, and the whole dumbwaiter falls down. And that mouse killed that cat. That cat's dead. Like I agree it's- with you, but it was, I, I would argue, it was a case of justifiable self-defense. Well, the, yeah, I mean, that, my, that cat, like, this is a predator-prey relationship, Zach. If, that, if mouse hadn't killed the cat, the cat would have killed the mouse. I understand. I also love kitties, so I'm sad and I don't like it. Also, um, this is the this is the least worrisome murder that we know of this mouse committing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because I like again, I really do think that the mouse is supposed to be who you're rooting for. You're right, he's not the protagonist, but like right. you're not supposed to like these two dudes. And they're very much trying to get you to empathize with the mouse. The mouse is a murderer. Like, yeah. let's say I don't, I don't empathize with anyone in this movie. All these people deserve each other, including the mouse. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think this is a. This, I don't think this is a movie with heroes. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I will point out in um, con- counterpoint to our assumption that the cat is dead that as the scene fades out. We do get what the captions call sad meowing. Yes, yeah, I do see so that. So the implication is that much like in a cartoon, which this is, the cat has only been like grievously injured for a scene. We never see that cat again. I think Maybe that he was just its leaves. last meow. I think, the, I think this defeats the cat. Like it loses its killer instinct entirely. And then it just leaves. I'm, I'm choosing to believe this. <laughs> that cat's dead. I don't know what to tell you. No, I think you're probably right. Uh, but yeah, so... So saying um, that was its death meow? Yes. So that's it. That's the that's half of the movie. Um, I mean, I'll tell you that next Christopher Walken happens. He so sure does. There you go. Um, but it's just the tone of... Like, again, I like black comedies, but I'm an adult. I don't really think they're... <laughs> Like, this is not an okay movie to show a child. I think you're slightly, like, I watched shit like this when I was a kid. Like I did too, but, and it is kind of a, it, it's a weird uh, thing to talk about because I do think that uh, as a kid I watched, you know, like the fucking, uh, like, All Dogs Go to Heaven and stuff like that, which was, like, kind of scarring, but it wasn't completely inappropriate and i think like uh taught me some shit that's for sure so i don't think that you kids entertainment has to be completely sanitized but the choice again to start this film with a corpse going down a fucking uh gutter or sorry a sewer is insane to be fair that seems like something kids would laugh at 
Yeah, I guess so. Like it's just what ki- like I like the actual tone of this film is largely stuff that I think would hold kids kids attention. Like it's a lot of incredibly exaggerated uh goofy violence. Kids yeah, love that shit. there are sensitive kids absolutely who would maybe not deal with this film well, but there's hey, also I'm plenty of kids who like wouldn't understand what the big deal is and why everyone's making such a fuss over it. It's yeah, fine. Sh- the sure. thing the thing that I that really gets to me, I don't know how I feel about it if it's a positive or a negative thing, but like the fact that it doesn't look like a kids movie is what gets me. Like like I, no, like I keep yeah. mentioning the palette is n- is way too dismal for anything somebody would market to kids. It's, it's very desaturated. Yeah, like you said, the 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 overall bleak tone and the way the like so many of the jokes are just kind of allowed to happen rapid fire with no commentary and no follow up is all very. It's a it's it's the sort of thing you see more in artsy films for adults than you do for a blockbuster. Well, I don't know, blockbuster is the right word, but a theatrical kids movie, big budget. Yeah, um, totally. Which yeah, yeah, um this movie had a thirty-eight million dollar budget and it made hundred and twenty two point four million at the box office. So a success. Hey, there you go. Nice. Great. Um, I'm I mean, glad. DreamWorks uh obviously at some point ran out of money. They're now I think just like a they're like a label that other other things use. But like when they started, uh, they had a bunch of big successes. I mean, like you got Shrek and fucking. Uh, um, I mean, it was Steven Spielberg's company, so yeah. every '90s Spielberg movie is DreamWorks. Yep, for sure. And and I mean, like this was one of, again. This was the third movie they made, and it made a lot of money. <laughs> I'm surprised. But so a hey. lot of that, a lot of the money they spent clearly went to effects, um, according mm-hmm. to to uh website cinemareview.com which is an incredible artifact of the internet um yeah. their their page on mouse hunt uh talks about the mouse itself uh okay. they enlisted the use of an animal trainer in addition to the uh effects team that uh we've mentioned earlier uh they came up with the look of the mouse first because you obviously need that to align everything and uh, trained 60 mice to perform the various stunts and tricks oh in the film. Uh, they grouped them into teams of four or five with specific focuses. So some of them were runners, some of them were climbers, um, okay. some of them were jumpers, retrievers, all that sort of stuff. Um, so a lot of the actual like action shots in the film were using actual mice. Yeah, that's um, that's cool. I mean, yeah. that said, the, one of the driving intentions of the film was to have a mice to show mice doing incredible things that nobody would expect a mouse to be able to do without it being obvious like fakery. So that's why they blended in a animatronic for some of the like close up visual stuff and a CGI creation. Uh built by the visual effects team Rhythm and Hughes Studios, who had previously worked with Gore Verbansky on the Budweiser Frogs. Oh, man, that rules. Also, Rhythm (laughs) and Hughes is a good name. I have to say, that's a good name. So, all of that said, I would like to read to you a quote from one Roger Ebert. Okay. 
Uh, he, he, he called this film an excellent example of the way modern advances in special effects can sabotage a picture. Because it is possible to make a movie in which the mouse can, our mouse can do all sorts of clever things, the filmmakers have assumed incorrectly that it would be funny to see the mouse doing them. <laughs> Man, I love Roger Ebert so much. Man, when he wanted to skewer something, he was so good at it. Yeah, I we didn't mention it, but this uh, movie has like a forty six percent ish on Rotten Tomatoes. It, not like a total uh, bomb in terms of reviews, but like sure, definitely mixed. I don't think this is a bad movie. No, uh, it's well, not. I will for say sh- it's- this according to Wikipedia. Um. Audiences that were polled by CinemaScore when the movie was actually, you know, showing, gave the film an average of a B to an A plus, or of a B on an A plus to F scale. So overall, audiences liked it. I I might not go as high as a B, but like I think it's an okay film. I watched a lot worse movies than this when I was a kid. Absolutely. <laughs> I I think if I would have. For my 10th birthday, gone to see this film in a somewhat crowded theater and had to just sit there and watch the film. It would have been an okay experience. Um, I think this is a great movie to um, put on in the background while you like run fucking wild on pizza and sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I don't know. That's that's half the movie. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll come back and talk about the other half next week, but yeah. uh, like it's it's just it, it is one of those things for me where I'm not necessarily like oh man what a great movie, but it's definitely really interesting to watch this movie now and be yeah. like boy I loved that movie as a kid. Uh, that's and you know it kind of like when you go back and watch those uh, um, fuck what's the guy who made uh, uh, Five All Goes West and, and All Dogs. Don Bluth. Oh. Okay, clear note. Heard me, Don Bluth. Don, Don Bluth. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, yes, yeah. The, it's it is kind of like watching those again as an adult and being like, I mean, I guess this is a kids' movie, but okay. So yeah, uh, come back next week and we'll we'll talk about the rest of it. Um, I guess for teenagers with attitude. Oh, we're not gonna. Been... You're not gonna do like plugs or anything. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, Luke. What would you like to plug? Uh, oh yeah, uh, bed. Um, <laughs> bed. You can find me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer. You can find other shows I do on AudioEntropy.com, such as Let's Plays, where we rank every video game ever made. Uh, uh, God, we don't do Totally Prize anymore. That one finished. It's done. But it's if you over. haven't listened Go to it, do now. that. Yes. Go listen to it. Also, stay good. tuned to but the feed because more stuff now. will be coming. More stuff will be coming next month. Uh, where's Pod when I'm scared? It's a podcast all about Veggie Tales. Hey, you like video games? I like video games. We've done a few episodes of Skies of Academia. We talked a whole bunch about Death Stranding and also a whole bunch about Pathologic 2. An awful game and a fantastic game. Which one's which? That'll be for you to decide. That's it. I, I'm okay, <laughs> you just yeah. Okay, great. Lexi, what would you like to pitch? Cinemareview.com. It's a website that clearly was developed in 1997 and never updated, but is still covering movies to this day. I went to their homepage, and currently they have stuff for The Lion King, Spider-Man: Far From Home, uh, John Wick Chapter Three. This 
this website makes me so happy to see, and I want other people oh to see god, it. Oh my god, this looks like the fucking Space Jam website. It's incredible, <laughs> and it's still being used. People are writing movie reviews that's, on this website. Great. That's wild. Okay, yeah, go check that out. Uh, uh, so for me, to uh, find me on at Chinchy McChilla on Twitter... Uh, go to check out all the audioentropy.com, uh, podcasts. Uh, me and Luke both recently guested on Thesaurus Wrecked. It's a lot of fun. You should check that one out. Um, and that's it, I guess. Uh, so, 14 Years with Attitude. I've been Zach. I've been Luke. I've been Lexi. And, and may the mouse... Haunt you always. No, oh, no, God. do no, not put that no. do not put that curse on the good people. <laughs>